Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. This morning, we're talking more about the American Cancer Society's Making Strides Against Breast Cancer. We're talking about Breast Cancer Month, Breast Cancer Awareness, and we have Nikki Odom in studio with us. She's one of the American Cancer Society's Faces of Hope because you're a breast cancer survivor. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Welcome. So you mentioned before we got started that we didn't even get to do this last year. Correct. So this is fun to be back in person yes, and making plans and making strides and seeing those faces of people involved. Yes, 100%. We were completely at a distance. Everything was virtual. So getting back together for friends, family, all the survivors, uh, men and women, it is just a blessing to be able to have that camaraderie because I feel like when you are virtual, it means that you you can't hug and touch and, you know, just love somebody that's been stricken with cancer of any sort, mm-hmm. breast, anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited about this year. Okay. If you will, Nikki, just start and tell us your story, and then we'll find out how you got involved with the American Cancer Society and why you're so gung-ho now. Okay. So ironically enough, almost the exact same week as last week, my family was on fall break. Uh, Three years ago, 2018, Mm -hmm. my family and I had gone to Panama City, just my kids. Uh, At the time, they were 12 and 5, my husband. And being at the beach, I'm a sun lover, just soaking it up all day. Come in for a shower, and I was really good about doing self-breast exams. I would do them in the shower. I would try to do them at night. Um, Did I really know what I was doing? Probably not. But I would at least do enough to where you would feel something odd. Mm-hmm. Um, come in for a shower after the beach after a long day and everything was great. I actually go put deodorant on mm-hmm. and I just noticed that my entire breast concaved in. I was like, that's weird. Didn't think anything about it. I raised my other arm up. Didn't do it. Oh. But the left one did it. And I was like, OK. So I just kept kind of being silly in the mirror. Raise up, down, up, down. So my husband was in the shower, literally pulled the curtain back. I was like, hey, check this out. It looks weird. He says, going back, like he immediately knew, like, okay, something's up. Yeah. Of course, what do I do? Google. What does this look like? Has yeah. anybody ever seen this? I'm trying to look at vi- like vivid images of can I find something that looks just like me? Yeah. You can't. Um, called the doctor the next morning, which was my OB, just like, hey, got something funky going on. Would love for somebody just to see me. They got me in that Friday. That mm-hmm. was a Wednesday. They got me in on Friday. He checked me out. He was like, I think you're great. He was like, I think it's dense breast tissue. Mm-hmm. So thinking in my mind, something's not right it just looks weird Mm -hmm. um so he was like okay if you're not comfortable with it i'll send you for radiology he was like we'll get you a mammogram at the time i was 36 Mm -hmm. starting at 35 luckily he had started doing mammograms for his patients you normally do not start that until you're 40 oh wow so i was blessed to have the ob do that at 35 yeah so coming back a whole year later, I was 36, I had just had a mammogram in January. This is October. Mm-hmm. So just 10 months later. Um, so you right? had something to compare it to. Exactly. Okay. I had like an image of past and then I had what looked to be just a rotten orange. I mean, it was just complete, oh, on the mammogram. Yeah. It was just completely concaved and just it just looked funky. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you could not feel it. It would not show if your arms were down. Everything looked completely normal. Whoa. Um, So radiology looked. She was like, I can't tell you what it looks like. I can't tell you what it is. 
I can tell you that it is something of a mass. She was like, it could be nothing. Um, I had to wait two weeks later just to get into the breast surgeon. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, she was the exact same as my OB. I think you're fine. Let's give it six months. And I just kept sitting there on the table thinking that something's not right. Mm -hmm. Why should I wait six months for something to happen on my right side? Because at the time it was only on my left. Yeah. Um, And I just wasn't happy with that. So. And this is where you get told to be your own advocate. 100%. For your health And this is also where we as patients listen to those doctors and think, okay, let's wait six months. They have the coats. They have the degrees. 100%. They've gone to school for this. 100%. So why would I not wait six mm-hmm. months? I mean, she's the one telling me to do it. I've not had any past history of any of this in my family. Mm-hmm. So I, and I wasn't okay with that. I just told her, I was like, I'm not good with this. I think that we need to find out. And she was like, what do you think it is? I was like, I have no idea what it is. And I just kept asking, have you ever seen someone like this? And she was like, I've seen all kinds. She was like, but I can't tell you that I've not seen this. Um, And she just frankly just said, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I want to know today. Um, She was like, okay. So she did a biopsy in office that day. And that was crazy uh, because, I mean, you're awake for all of that. It's not like you go under and, you know, they open you up. It's just like a little needle, pull it out, um, pulled some plasma out. And she was like, I'll have results. She was like, but I really think you're okay. I was like, well, time will tell. We'll figure it out. What's the worst, you know? I I would be the same way, Mm -hmm. just not knowing Mm -hmm. and worrying about it. Exactly. So five days later, I was uh, on my way home. It was a Friday afternoon at 4.30, and she called me, and it was her herself. It was not her nurse or anything. And she was like, you're right. She was like, that is a small piece of breast cancer in your left breast. Wow. And I was just immediately like things going through my mind. But my first immediate was, how do we attack it? Yeah. And can I survive? And she was like, you will have a 98% chance of survival. Yeah. She was like, I think that it's super small. She was like, it's nothing that's going to be like large. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything's well. Two weeks later, I'm at an oncology appointment never sent an oncologist in my life, never even been to an oncologist. Which is a cancer doctor. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, you just hear cancer and you just think death. Like, cancer is just your death sentence. Because that's what we had heard that for is all we most know. of our lives. Exactly. Exactly. So my oncologist at the time, I had, that was my first meeting with her, and she was wanting me to start on chemo immediately, and she wanted me to do radiation. And at the end of the day, my question to her was, Am I going to have to have my breast removed? And she was like, more than likely, we will try to shrink the tumor and we will try to remove it. But at the end of the day, yes, we will have to remove your breast. And I told her, no, I don't want chemo. I don't want radiation. I want to go ahead and start because in my mind, I was ready. Like I was ready to go ahead and just get this done. You're ready to fight the battle. Ready to start immediately. Like I was my whole thing is I'm a very competitive person. I've played sports all my life. <laughs> my kids are in sports. So that is your natural mode is to just attack and play. So my plan of attack was what's next? Um, and that's what we did. So two weeks later after that, it was December 13th, 2018. I had a double uh, or bilateral mastectomy. Which is? Uh, removal of both of your breast, yeah. uh, all of your breast tissue. They insert expanders in there, and I came out with four drains. Um, They're called JP drains, and they are on each side of your, um, well, I guess on the side of your breast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started chemo uh, six weeks later. 
So if you were going to have your breasts removed, mm-hmm. if you felt like at the end of the day, that was what was going to happen. You Correct. said, let's just let's do, do it. it. Yes. Instead of going through all the other things yes. and then doing it. Yes. And so the kicker to the story is for my journey was I thought I'm going into surgery and I'm having my breasts removed and I'm done. Like never encountered chemo, radiation, nothing. It was never said you have to have this. Yeah. My breast surgeon, my plastic surgeon and the oncologist were all in my surgeries. The breast surgeon removed what was supposed to be stage one cancer Mm -hmm. as small as a grape. It was stage three advanced as big as a kiwi. If I would have waited six months, I would have been at stage four, possibly not even here. And stage four meaning? Stage four cancer as it could be. There is no there is no cure for stage four or there is stage four and you beat it, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's the, the the that's the highest you highest can go stage. You can go. Yes, ma'am. Wow. So being a stage three advanced, I come out of that. I come back for my follow up. And that's when my oncologist was like, we are going to start your own radi- um, chemo. I was like, oh, I'm good. I don't need I don't need chemo. You got the wrong person. <laughs> I'm good. And she was like, no, it is required. She was like, with you having a stage three advance, she was like, it is required that you have chemo and radiation. And there again, when do we start? And so I got my port, which your port is the access for your chemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stick you in your, normally it's in your chest. They uh, in surgically? Surgically in, insert it. And then um, every time you go for chemo, they stick. It's kind of, to me, I remember it like a thumbtack. Like they thumbtack it in you and that's kind of like your line yes to give you your medicine to it's give like you your a, like a water hose with a quick release pretty much sort yeah. of yeah. yeah and that to me was the worst ever some people have great success with it i it mine was terrible my port was always um high it was raised on my chest it was always bruised mm. uh could never have anything no shoulder bags no purses anymore nothing that would hang on my shoulder because it would pull down on that port mm. uh, anytime i had chemo it would be excruciating pain afterwards because I had had all that medicine right there. Yeah. Um, and 14 days after my first chemo appointment is when I started losing my hair. That's when it became real. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And they told you that. Yeah. They prepare you like, hey, you know, you've got nice hair. It's going to start going away. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way it's going to be 14 days. Because you had rolled through so far. So far. You're like bang, 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 bang. Yes. We're Kept almost going. done. Kept going. And... As soon as I had my first chemo treatment, almost to the the week after, handful of hair out of the shower oh. coming out. And it hurt. I mean, your hair hurt. The follicles of your hair coming out of your head hurts. Oh, it wow. is not something that, it is not like if you brush your hair and your hair is falling out. Just in your brush, normal. It's not like that. It is the follicle, like, dying out of your head because the medicine that they are putting in your body is killing good and bad cells to rid all of the cancer. Right. So even the the good cells that you need in your body to continue just living, mm-hmm. it is killing all of that. Yeah. So you're tainting your body. Um, and luckily I was able to shave my head. I got a wig and my wig matched my hair to a T. And there are people still today that did not even know that I had cancer. Wow. Because of that. But And um, plus because it sounds like you're the kind who just kind of kept powering kept through. Yeah, kept going. I tried to make sure that I never missed a ball game for my kids. 
I did not miss work. I powered through. I missed chemo days and I was working the next day. Now it was for my couch and I probably looked like holy hell, <laughs> but I worked through and I feel like my, for me personally, pushing through constantly is why I'm here today. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Nikki Odom. She's one of the American Cancer Society's Faces of Hope as a breast cancer survivor. And I think probably you you just did give a lot of people hope with your story. For sure. I've always said in my story, cancer will not define me. I will beat it and I will continue beating it for whoever else needs it. In what way? How will you do that? Um, I'm going to be a voice for whoever. I love to volunteer. I love to share my story. If I can help one person, Mm -hmm. just hearing, I mean, not every cancer is the same. Not every diagnosis is the same. But knowing that I've gone through chemo, I've gone through radiation, I've lost my hair, I've, I've been sick in the bathroom, you know, from chemo. All of that stuff, we're all going through it in some capacity, and you can relate to somebody mm-hmm. somewhere, and just being able to share my story and tell them that it's going to be okay, you just got to get to the end of the tunnel. I mean, there is light there, you just have to get to it, because there are some dark days. there. I mean, you can go and you can really sit and get depressed and ask, why is this happening to me, but... For sure, for me, I leaned super strong on my faith, which I had not been. I had not ever been a person of church or really just, I mean, I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. but I was not one to like lean and ask, like, I need this. And knowing that I had the higher power and just a positive energy, yes, constant positive energy, my husband and my kids were my light. The people that were around me just glowed and I was like you know what I'm not gonna let this define me so it was good I'm not gonna let this define me Mm -hmm. what made you just get emotional when you said that it is a hard journey to go through and it's a hard journey to go through with children but for me I know that I made it everybody can make it but I know that that was not the defining moment of my life The defining moment of my life was coming on the other side and being here today with you, having the opportunity to share my story on a broadcast station like this is amazing. And every woman or man, because men get breast cancer too, has the opportunity just to stand up and be your own voice, Mm -hmm. push back on the doctors, push back on the system and say, I'm not going to stand for someone saying, let's wait six months. That could, that could have been my life. Yeah. And that's what did not define me. And I think your words were something like, I'm not good with that. I'm not good with that. When they that said, is true. wait, yeah. wait. No, I was not good with that. And that's exactly what I said. I am not good with waiting. And I'm not a patient person. <laughs> so what? I think she knew that. And God bless her. She was amazing. I mean, and I even told her on my follow up. I had gone back way after chemo had started. And this is who? Dr. Laura Lawson. Your OB? She is my breast surgeon. Okay. Um, And I even went back and I talked to her about it. And I was like, what happens if I would have waited six months? And she was like, you're right. She was like, you were your voice. She was like, we don't always get it right. And I was like, no, you're right. You don't get it right all the time. But I mean, she was amazing. And I would trust her any other day of the week to do this 
again, if I had to go through it again, she's my person. Because they see that most of the time this is just a little something, something. Could and just be a blip. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people go through needless surgeries and needless yep. procedures and it's expensive and yes. painful. Yes. And then when you pushed back and said, I'm not okay with that. Right. And you went ahead and she knew you were determined. Right. You you pushed forward. Right. As anyone can and anybody should. We should not be okay just accepting the word of a doctor or anybody saying you're fine. Like we should make sure, like always make sure that because if you're your internal instinct tells you something's not right. And I just knew something's not right. And that's what that's the one reason I said I'm not good with this is I knew something was not right. Mm -hmm. I knew deep down I had cancer. I knew it. I, I had a feeling. So when I got that phone call that day, I knew I had cancer. I knew she was not going to call and be like, everything's good. See you in a you know, year or let's check you in six months. Or I knew that day when she called, I knew those words, you have cancer. And those are words that you nobody wants to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to hear that for myself or for anybody that I loved or really anybody anymore. Like that should not define us. Cancer should not define us. Did you tell your husband? Immediately. But did you tell him before the phone call? Did you feel that certainty and say anything to him? Or did you try and kind of spare him as sometimes women do? I never said, I think I have cancer. I remember being very honest with him and saying, I know something's wrong. Um, And he was very positive and you're fine. Everything's going to be good. Um, He's a very positive person. And he just continuously said, you're fine. And I just kept saying, I'm not. (laughs) Something's not right. Because as a person, man or woman, you know when something's not right. You have an an intuition that something's not right. Um, I never probably told anyone that, yeah, I have cancer. And I never knew those words until I heard that. Mm -hmm. And I remember calling him and telling him, hey, she's called. This is the news. And he was like, I'm waiting at home. He was like, we'll talk about it at home. And I mean, he knew like, so I think deep down, because he had last lost his father a year prior to this from cancer. I think he probably deep down knew like, okay, something's really going on, but I'm going to continuously tell her you're fine. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just to be that rock that I needed. Yes. And I mean, we worked through it that night and I told my kids immediately. Mm-hmm. I was, that was one thing that I had told him. I'm not keeping this from my kids. They, I mean, they're going to know me. They know every, we are too close of a family. They would, they would have to know. Um, so I told my kids immediately and they were 12 and uh, 12 and five at the time. Was that hard? It was hard on them, but I feel like I handled it the best I could. I fought the tears very hard. My little one, I don't think he understood cancer. I, I don't understand that word. Mm-hmm. My older one, I think he knew like, okay, this is serious because his grandfather had just passed away the year before oh. from cancer. And he knew that was serious. Yeah. Um, so I think he understood it a little bit more. My little one just knew something's wrong with mom. Like, is she going to be okay? And I don't think it really hit me until my husband was sitting on the couch and he was like, mom could lose her hair. And I was like, I will not lose my hair. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm losing my hair. And at that moment, I was like, you're right. Like, I could lose my hair. And luckily, I got the best wig possible. 
and it made me look exactly the same for my kids. And thankfully, my dad helped me with that. And it he he even shared with me. He was like, I needed you to have that so that you look whole to me. I mean, you know, try going through life with no hair. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hair doesn't define who you are, but it's a big part of what you look like, you know, and having kids like you don't want to be bald. I mean, I was completely bald. It seems like it might also be a reminder that something's still not right. Every day. Every day. I mean, every day that you get out of the shower, if your head is bald and your breasts are gone, Mm -hmm. you have a reminder every day that you've had cancer or you are going through cancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a reminder every day. I have scars all over my body every day. So, no, it will never go away, but it's not going to be something that keeps me down. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue just pushing forward. What do you want people to know who are listening as a breast cancer survivor and just as a human being? I think coming out of my journey, for me personally, my doctor told me it's 90% attitude and it's 10% cancer. And that is 100% true. 100% true. Because I feel like if you have a terrible outlook that even if you have stage four, you have a terrible outlook of I have stage four cancer, I'm not going to make it. You're not going to make it. But if you have stage four cancer and you have a great outlook and positive energy around you and the support around you has positive vibes for you, you're going to make it. Because you had stage three. I had stage three and I'm here and I've made it and I'm going to continue making it because I constantly profess how much, how blessed I am. And how wonderful it is, the support that is around me. And still today, I have the best supporters there are. I mean, from my family to my friends, baseball family, my work family. I mean, everyone around me has just been constantly just a huge support. Um, Breast exams are wonderful. I feel like everybody should know how to do them appropriately. That way you can constantly, you know, feel in check. There's no embarrassment to it. I feel like when sometimes you get embarrassed to like, talk about those things Mm -hmm. we should not be embarrassed to talk about those things it is something that is real and we need to like learn how to do it the correct way we were talking about that with one of the uh doctors recently about breast cancer that it used to be oh she has breast cancer right it's taboo it's It's because you're talking about a breast right right cancer and it's not not only not talked about but we were not allowed to hear stories from people like you nikki of if your doctor says, let's wait, and you don't feel right, say, I'm not okay with that. Right. When I was growing up, we never heard that. Never, never, never. Yeah. And we never heard the phrase, be your own advocate. Speak right. up for yourself. Use your own voice. Right. We just were told that these are health professionals. These guys went to school for it. And we pretty much follow our doctor's, doctor's advice. And that's so true. And that's why I feel like my main piece of advice for anybody is if your gut tells you that it's not right inside, then it's not right. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to follow your own instinct. And I mean, luckily I did. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And luckily she was okay with that. I mean, she was perfectly fine with me pushing and saying, I'm not okay with this answer that you're giving me. Like, I don't want to hear, let's wait, or I think you're okay. I don't like think. I don't like that. Right. I want to hear you are or you are not. 
thinking is not okay with me. Yes. <laughs> Especially now anymore. I don't want to hear, I think you have a sinus infection or I think you have COVID. <laughs> no, tell me what I have. So I can deal with it. 100%. Yes. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie. This is Focus. We're talking with Nikki Odom, one of the American Cancer Society's Faces of Hope. As a breast cancer survivor, you mentioned your support team a lot. Mm -hmm. What does one do to support someone who is going through treatment for breast cancer or who is a breast cancer survivor? What has been the most important to you from your team? So I did mention about my support group. Um, When I had surgery, we had meal trains like crazy. Um, which, which was is a service provided where you can sign up online and people will bring you meals. Um, obviously, I was not able to cook and provide for my family at that time. When you have drains, you are not allowed to lift your arms over your head. The more that you move around, the more you drain, the, the slower you get the drains out. So you really oh. want to be stationary and not move so that the quicker the drains come out. Because that means things are healing. Correct. you got to let it heal Correct. up. And the more you have drains, the less you get to shower. <laughs> so there is no showering with drains. You have to sponge bath. And imagine having drains for two or three weeks. It's not fun. And what is that? What is it draining? It is draining the inside where they have surgically removed your breast. Mm -hmm. So it is like the sponge soaking up all of the excess Mm -hmm. that is still stuck in your body. Um, Phlegm, just liquids that your body is making to try and heal. Correct. Correct. So the less you move, the better it is. Because the more that you move on something, the more it's going to liquefy. Exactly. So it's just like a cut. You keep scratching it. It's going to continue to bleed. And make scabs. Exactly. Making so stuff. you want to just not have any movement. Mm-hmm. So no cleaning, no food, um, no driving. So did people come help you clean? Did they bring yes. you food? We had cleaning people. Um, we had family who came and cleaned. We had meals provided for us, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We had people just like come and sit. Like, I don't need someone just to come and, you know, do something. Sit and talk to me because Mm -hmm. you can only watch TV so much. So having the support of just having someone sit beside you and just have a normal conversation that does not talk about cancer or how are you doing. Mm -hmm. It just has to talk about the news. Talk about your kids. Talk about something other than what you're going through Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't want to get your mind off of it. Yeah. Um, So that was wonderful. And like I said, I didn't miss any of my kids baseball or basketball games. So having that, being able to go to a gym and just sit and watch and have the camaraderie of just the laughter and know that I'm I'm just sitting watching my kids play. Living life. Living life. hundred percent. Living life with cancer and knowing that I'm not going to let it define me. (laughs) Yeah. Any final thoughts, anything that I've neglected to ask that you feel is important to add? I want people to know that there is hope out there. No matter what stage you're dealing with, there is hope. And I have found that just meeting people that are survivors, we are a sorority of women and men that don't want to be in this club, but we're in it for life now. And the bond that we share, we don't even know each other, but the bond that we share is amazing. And I just couldn't be more blessed to be a part of something like that, even though you don't want to go through that. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Are you going to be at Making Strides? Yes, ma'am. October 23rd at 8 a.m. I will be there. All right. Making Strides Against Breast Cancer. We'll have all the information on our Focus Facebook page. Nikki Odom, one of the American Cancer Society's Faces of Hope. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.